Why don't you look at your neighbor, ask him, say, long night? Just do that because it's kind of funny to do. Dude, nothing more disrespectful, huh? Long night? Like, uh, no. Like, I was, I'm fine. It's like the sign tells me, you look tired. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. you're, you're a good person. Thank you for that. That's disrespectful. Um, John chapter 20, verse 24. John chapter 20, verse 24. Um, we're reading. We're going to pick up reading. This is, this is kind of on the heels of the crucifixion, which we talked about uh, last weekend. The story of, of Easter, really, that Jesus was crucified for the sins of all humanity, but he didn't just stay dead. After three days, we're so glad, right, that he came back from the dead. And uh, that's what we celebrated on Easter Sunday. When he comes back from the dead, th- he, there's some things that he does. And that's basically where we pick up uh, this text. And we're going to pull some, some thoughts out of it that I think can encourage you today. John chapter 20, verse 24, it says this. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, meaning he was one of the 12 disciples, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So when Jesus comes back from the dead, he goes and finds his boys. But Thomas is not with them. So the other disciples come and they find Thomas and they say, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. Jesus is back from the dead. But Thomas responds to them and he says this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26 says about a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and instead believe. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Have you ever found yourself uh, in a situation of life? I I find myself here often. Where you find yourself fighting, defending, arguing about things that you really just don't care about. I mean, have you ever found yourself in in, in this position? Me and my wife, like, we're, like, notorious for this. The other night, uh, we're we're laying in bed, and we're watching some show on Netflix. It's, like, called uh, Our Planet or Our World or something like this. And uh, these, it's incredible what like animals do. Like you just start watching these shows and they're doing things. And I'm like, it's incredible how like animals can learn. She's like, what? I'm like, it's incredible how animals have consciousness. And she's like, they don't have consciousness. It's instinct. We get into this argument, like no joke about animals and their consciousness. I'm like, no, like they definitely have consciousness because they can learn. Like, so that means they, they know what they're doing. No, it's, inst- it's not instinctual, actually. Like they actually can learn. And she says, no, they don't because they don't have, have souls. Animals aren't going to heaven. And I was like, whoa, enjoy telling your kids that. Okay. So we get into this, we get into this argument and we're like, I mean, we're, we're just, I mean, we are, it's intense folks. We go to bed like, you know, like on the edge of the bed, like you're just far on the edge of the bed. She's far on the other edge of the bed over, over, over animals. And like, do they have con- like so, so stupid. A couple days later, uh, she comes to me and, and she's telling me about this birthday party that she's She's planning. She's like, hey, like, I, I need to run some things by you. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. She's like, so um, I wanted to do this for this birthday party. And I'm thinking if we can kind of make this happen, that uh, just be a really good experience. And then we can do this for this party. And, and I didn't know how to break it to her. So I just kind of, I broke it to her. And I probably shouldn't have said it like this. I said, you know, like, I, I know what you're saying, but I really, I really don't care about what you're talking to me about. <laughs> I, I, maybe I'm the only husband that's ever done something like that. So I was kind of, th- but I'm like, I just, I, I'm not, I don't mean it rude. Like, I just don't care about birthday parties. Like, whatever you want to do, babe, I'm honestly, I'm pretty okay with it. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, just kind of knock yourself out. Whatever you want to plan, 
plan and I'm sure it'll be fine. She's like, okay, if you say so. So she goes away. About an hour later, she comes back to me and she's like, uh, okay, so I decided what I'm going to do from the birthday party. I was like, okay, cool. What is it? And she's like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm like, well, you probably shouldn't do that. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's not a good idea. Like you're not, not logically thinking this through. Like you're not using your intellect and your smarts and making this decision. And she's like, I thought you didn't care about birthday parties. And I'm like, well, now I do. And so we get into this like <laughs> argument. And, and it's like one of these kind of like, oh, moments. Like, why, why? Have you ever found yourself here? Like, I'm, I'm arguing. I'm passionately engaged in something. But if I'm honest, I really don't even care about it. We, don't you see this on social media all the time? People that, like, go off. Like, I'm talking, like, lose their marbles on somebody. On their, in a comment feed, it's like, you really care about it that much? That you're willing to damage your reputation and your family's reputation and all this kind of stuff for the sake of what? For something? You don't even care about this. You don't even really care about that. It doesn't affect your world. You know, in in life, we find ourselves, if we're honest and vulnerable, wherever you're watching from today, we find ourselves more times than not in this position. And and the reason being is that that we're wound up. Life has a way of of winding us up, of of, of making us us kind of um, uptight. It's almost like a... um, like a pinball machine. You don't know what a pinball machine, you're young, just look up an app. I'm sure there's a pinball app and you can find, it'll explain it. But basically, uh, there's this like contraption. It was like a real game and, and you pull back the spring and when the spring lets go, it shoots a ball and the ball just kind of just goes all over the place. And this is what our lives are like a lot of the times. Uh, b- because of the things that we're going through, not necessarily externally, but internally. I'm talking about our stress load. I'm talking about things that come into our, our internal system, our, inten- our, our internal uh, dialogue, the health of the, of the real, real us. I could t- call it your soul. Uh, because of this, there's things that kind of trigger us, whether it be stress or all these kinds of things. And what happens is we get shot into uh, the, the context of our lives and, and we're bouncing into all kinds of situations, almost like this this pinball. And, and, And the problem is, what happens is we spend most of our lives trying to solve these problems that we bumped into, forgetting that the only reason we're bumping into these things is because we have something that set us off in the first place. What what, what am I getting at? A lot of times the the problem that you're really up against, and I've talked about this before, but I really want to slow down and and, uh, not even just just preach real hard at you today, because I I want you to to understand uh, this concept that a lot of times the thing that you're up against really isn't what you're up against. A lot of times the thing that you're frustrated with, the only reason that you're frustrated with it is not because of actually the situation. It's because of what's going on internally. You, you, you have an internal climate. You, you, you have, have a real, you, you have chaos oftentimes in your internal, in your internal, internal world. This is where you see, I mean, you see people, you see the most horrific things in our society, don't we? I mean, just, just yesterday, a couple of days ago, uh, shootings in a synagogue. Like how, how does this kind of stuff happen? And people would say mental illness and, and there are people that have actual chemical imbalances and it's a very serious thing. But a lot of mental illness in the world is a result of people not knowing how to deal with their internal world. Is, is anybody hearing me this morning? A lot of times the problems that we have in here, hear this in our external world is a result of us not knowing how to deal with what's going on in our internal world. We bump into all kinds of things and we end up trying to fix these things that we're bumping into, but there's a place that they're coming from, come from all kinds of places. The challenge is when things are not at rest on the inside, when I'm going through things that I don't know how to process, that I don't know how to deal with, 
Uh, I actually start seeing everything in my life, hear me, for what I think it is, not necessarily for what it really is. I start making judgments. I start making assumptions. I start looking at people or situations that are happening in my life. And I say, this is happening because of this, or this is happening because of me even, or this is happening because of them. When in reality, a lot of the things that I'm facing in my world are because of what's happening on the inside of me. When we read the story, you hear about Thomas, but all of Jesus's disciples have found themselves in this place of distress, every single one of them. I mean, I want you to imagine this. They have lost their best friend. They have lost their savior, the one, and, and not just savior. I mean, this is their superhero. This is the one that gave them purpose. They traveled all around the world and they're doing miracles. They're seeing blind eyes open. They're seeing Jesus like feed thousands and thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. Their hero. And all of a sudden he's gone. He's dead. He's murdered. That alone, just, de- just dealing with loss, I could only imagine what it would do to their internal world. Not just that, but to think about the fact that Jesus was murdered because of the things that he was doing and they were doing all the same things that Jesus was doing. So I'm sure they're struggling with fear on the inside. What am I getting at? When things are wrong on the inside, you start seeing everything externally wrong. How do I know? Have you ever read the Gospels? Have you ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and their accounts of this portion of the story? They're all diversely different. Like, like one says, I came to the tomb and the tomb was rolled away. There was nobody there. Another one says there was one angel there. Another one says there's two angels there. Uh, in, in fact, Mary, she has this, Jesus actually comes back and, and, and talks to Mary as she's standing at the tomb saying, Mary, I'm here. And, and she thinks that he's the gardener. The, the Bible says that Mary, who had a relationship with Jesus, who knows Jesus' voice, knows his mannerisms, She sees him as the gardener. Why? Because Mary's going through internal turmoil. When you're going through things internally, you see things around you for what you think they are, not necessarily for what they are. She thinks he's a gardener, but he's not the gardener. He's actually the Messiah. Have you ever found yourself in a position or a place where you cast judgments on things around you only to get further down the road and say, wow. That wasn't anything like I actually thought it was. How does it happen? It happens because we have things that are coming into our inner dialogue that are polluting our internal world. It's kind of like I have this, uh, this, this plant up here because this, this, is, this is a picture of our lives. This is the best way that I can describe it. And, and I, again, I don't want you to hear this as just another church sermon or message. I really believe this is... A, this is the quest of our Christian experience. Uh, the, 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 the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.9 that the goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. The, the goal of our faith is the salvation, the salvation, the reconciling of our souls. What is that? That's my internal dialogue. The Bible says the goal of my faith is to get things on the inside of me to be at rest. So, so, so this plant is a picture of your life. So much of our lives, and I hope that you see this today, we spend our lives looking at the experiences. That's what these flowers represent. These things that we, we come up against. And you see things that are good. If you look really down in here, you'll see that there's, there's pieces that, that, that are dead. So much of our lives, we try to fix these things. These, we think that, uh, you know, I have this issue or I have that issue or I'm up against this. And if I could only change that. But this is only a byproduct of what is below the surface. You see here? 
So, so, so here's, here's what I'm getting. Your soul is like your root system. Your, your soul is, is, is like your root system. And whatever goes into your root system eventually shows up in your life. This is why I can say that the things that you're really up against are not really the things that you're up against. They're a result of the things that you're up against. You have things that are polluting, that, that are disrupting your soul. Here's an example. And I jot down some of these things because I don't know that we, that we recognize them. Here are things that put your internal world at war. Um, anger. When, when I'm angry, it disrupts my inner dialogue. It disrupt, disrupts my soul. It disrupts the real me. Why is this important? Because the purpose, the goal of my faith is the salvation of my soul. So, so anger disrupts my soul. Fear disrupts my soul. Disappointment. You ever been disappointed? Things didn't end up like I wanted them to end up. Disappointment disrupts my soul. Loss. When you go through loss, man, loss is a part of life. You're, go, you're going to lose loved ones. You're going to lose, uh, you're going to, some of us are going to lose jobs. We're going to lose uh, money. We're going to lose things. And, and all of these losses, you may think, well, it's just a part of life. It may be a part of life, but it also disrupts your internal dialogue, your, your soul. Sometimes it's simple things like lack of rest, lack of sleep. You're going too hard. You're, ne you're never slowing down to, to actually take care of you. You run at such a frenetic pace because you, like to, you say you like to be busy. But the challenge is when you do that, you neglect the health of the real you. This is a challenge because if I neglect the health of the real me, I produce things in my life that I don't want to produce, that cause frustration, that cause distress. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's a lack of structure, which would be discipline in my life. When I don't have disciplines in my life, man, I produce things in my life that I don't want to produce. When, when, I'm, when, when I am uh, obsessed or overcome with guilt, some people think, that, oh, well, I'm just guilty because I did. When, when you allow that to pollute your soul, it actually is, is something that is destructive and disrupts your life. Insecurity. The list goes on and on and on. I think most of us ignore these things because we think that they're human. Thomas in this story is dealing with a disrupted soul. He has a soul that is in distress, a soul that is unkept. H how do I know? You think about the, the narrative of this story. Thomas being a disciple, and you see the lack of really rationale. I mean, Thomas knows what it's like to do life with Jesus. Jesus is the guy who is always going to pull a rabbit out of the hat. Jesus is the guy who loves doing miracles, who loves doing these grandiose things that seem to blow people's minds. And yet Thomas is struggling when his, when his, when his own friends, when his own friends come to him and say, Jesus is alive, Thomas. He's been raised from the dead. And yet Thomas says, well, I don't believe it. What? Why don't you believe it? The reason he struggles in his external world is because he's dealing with fear on the inside. He's dealing with disappointment on the inside. And because he has an unreconciled below the surface, uh, below the surface uh, scope of his life, the, 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 what's below the surface is not healthy. His, his, his life and his behaviors show this. I, I really want to drive this point home so that you understand so much of the time we don't really realize what's going on below the surface. Most of us think if I'm not depressed, then I'm okay. Most of us think if I'm not suicidal, then my soul must be good. And I'm here to tell you today, that's not always the case. Most of your behavioral issues and defense mechanisms are not a result of your personality or because your mama was like that or your genetics. Most of those things in your life are a result of a soul that is not 
at rest. How do I know if my soul is not at rest? Here's kind of just some telltale signs. We see it right here in in Thomas. Number one, you are extra. You ever met somebody? You are so extra. If if you don't know what that means, like extreme, over the the top. Like you ever met somebody? You're just doing too much. Like you need to chill and you need to relax. This is is Thomas. Like think, think about this situation in Thomas. He's not just saying, well, if Jesus is real, I want to see it with my own eyes. No, he's being extra. He says, I want to see the holes in his hands. And I want to take my finger and I want to put my finger in the holes in his hands. And then I want to take my hand and I want to put it in the hole inside. It's like Thomas, petty. Petty, Petty Thomas. Tom Petty. And I'm free, free fall. See what I did there? <laughs> really, though. I mean, I mean, think about it. When, when, when you are not at rest in your inner man, you become so petty. You become so extra. You become so, so over the top. Here's what you do. You, you either care too much or you care too little. When I'm not at rest on the inside, some of the telltale signs, if I can't see it, usually I'm blind to it. Usually, usually I can't really see what's going on on the inside. So, so how do I know? I'm, I'm, I find myself behaving extra all the time, caring way too much about things that, that really don't matter. Or, or I don't care at all. I don't care about things that should matter. I stopped caring about my job. I stopped caring about my family. I stopped caring about my faith. I stopped caring about my relationships. I stopped caring about my finances. Things that should be important in my life all of a sudden become unimportant when things in my inner world go south. You start expecting things that you don't even really want. Here's, here's what I'm talking about. Uh, here's, here's another one. Yeah, not, not only... Uh, are your ex- expectations unreasonable? Here's, here's, here's what happens. Your standards become unattainable. How do I know if things are not at rest on the inside? My standards in life become unattainable, meaning nothing is good enough for me. You ever found yourself in this position? Nobody can please you. Nobody can make you happy. It doesn't matter if they dotted every I and crossed every T. It's still not good enough. Again, I was talking, I tell you all, all the fights I have with my wife, not because we fight all the time, but I just want you to feel normal if you fight too. <laughs> Uh, just a couple a couple days ago, I, I come home and I had a I, I because here's here's the deal. I struggle with this one probably the most. When, when I am doing too much, when I'm extra, my standards are always become unattainable because I already have a high I already already have high standards. I already have high expectations. So I can't. I was I was stressed. I was overloaded. It had been a long day. It was dealing with lots of things. And I come through the door. And you ever come to the through the door, uh, men and your and your wife maybe is a stay at home mom. And you're like, what have you been doing all day? Uh, you be quiet. You don't want to say anything, huh? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have either. Um, so, so I did that. Oh, bad choice. Bad choice. I'm like, what's been going on? Like, what are you doing all day? And like, what I mean, like, what do you mean what I'm doing all day? I've been taking care of the kids. What do you think? You think your job's here? We go, we go in. I mean, we go, we go in. And I, when, when I do, when, when, when I'm stressed and I'm, when I'm, my, what am I talking about? My internal world is not set right. My standard gets so high. Well, you, you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that. And if you really cared, you'd be doing more. And you, she said, and this is what she stopped. She stopped me. She said, you know, Nick, she said, sometimes when you get into this place, you, your standards become so high that you can't even see progress. And in the moment, we just kept arguing. I was just like, whatever. Who do you think that you are? But, but when I got alone, right, that's what we do. When I got alone, I thought about that. I thought, you know what? She's right. This is, this is exactly what happens 
When, I, when I'm not good on the inside, my standards become unattainable for, for, for us in our, our work industry, work in uh, church, obviously. So like last weekend, Easter week, Easter is, is one of the biggest times of the year. Man, you don't want it. To, in Easter week for me, it's like nothing is good enough. Like it needs to be better. This could be, this is not what it needs to be. You, you have times like this in your life when, when you're stressed out, you, you'll find your tendency. If you own a business that none of your employees can measure up, if you're stressed out as a parent, none of your kids are ever good enough. Nothing your spouse could, could wait on you hand and foot all day long. And you wouldn't be able to see it because when you're doing too much, when your soul isn't at rest, your standards become unattainable. This is why Thomas won't even believe his friends. These what, Thomas? You can't, you can't, these are your friends. What are they going to lie to you for? But when you're doing too much, when, when your soul is not at rest, your standards are unattainable. Here's another one. Your behaviors are uncooperative. Your behaviors are uncooperative. When I'm doing too, when my soul is not at rest, you'll see it show up when my, my behaviors are uncooperative. What does that mean? I'm, I'm stubborn. So you thought you were stubborn because your mama's stubborn or your daddy's stubborn. No. No, no, stubbornness is it's what it's, it's a fruit on the tree, meaning meaning there is a root to stubbornness. What, where does stubbornness come from? Stubbornness is, happens when when my internal dialogue has led me to believe that my worth is found in being right or being in control. This is why I want it my way. No, it's got to be my way. I'm, I'm, you're just so stubborn. Why are you just you're just like your mommy? You're just like your daddy. You you are just like you are just like so. No no no. See see, see stubbornness is a result. I'm giving some of us away, right? Some of it's it's a result of an internal world that is not at rest. My dialogue, hear it again, has led me to believe that my worth, my value, who I am as a person, is actually found in being right. So I have to. Pr- it's got to be my way. Because if it's not my way, then I don't feel worthy anymore. This is, this is where Thomas is at. Notice Thomas, Thomas doesn't say, I can't believe. Thomas says, I won't believe. Of course Thomas could believe. He's seen Jesus do the miraculous. When you find yourself in this position where your soul is at, not at rest, your behaviors are uncooperative. I, I'm not going to do that. You become defensive about every little thing. You refuse. You say things like, just deal with it. It is the way that it is. You put up guards. I, I, I paint this picture, not to make anyone feel guilty, but I hope that all of us, if we're really honest, that we see ourselves somewhere in these descriptions. And if you don't see yourself in the area of being extra, maybe you'll see yourself in this next, next expression of an inward world that is not set it right. You become this. You become entitled. What, what am I talking about? You start thinking that everybody owes you something. When my internal world is not right, I lose my sense of security. And so I try to find it by convincing myself that people owe me something. You, 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 you can't treat me like that after all I've done for you, after all the times that I've been here for you. We've been married for how long? I've been at this church for how long? And nobody, I, I, am, I deserve more than that. I deserve more. I, this, is, this is where Thomas finds himself. He's struggling because he feels like he deserves to be in the room when Jesus is talking. Jesus, what? Why, why didn't you wait for me? After I've, I've been a part of your ministry. You, you wouldn't have been able to do the miracles if I didn't carry the stuff around like you asked me to, like you told me to. He feels like he's been left out. The struggle causes him to feel like he's missing out on something, which causes him to be in this position that he feels like he has deserved something. When your soul is not at right entitlement, feeling like you deserve something, is not just human. It's not just acceptable. It's an internal worth issue. What's crazy is, 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 is entitlement only comes as a result of longevity. 
nobody, nobody starts off entitled. You, you don't go into a, a relationship with your spouse or with a significant other and say, you owe me this or you owe me that, right? At first, it's about, we're in love, and it's so awesome, and it's so good. Give it 10 years, and then it's like, excuse me, you need to pick that up because you know what I did for you? You know what, you know what I've, been, I've been slaving, and I've been working? You, you, you owe me. Work relationships are like this, too. At first, man, you're just excited to have a job. I get a paycheck. Somebody wanted to hire me. And then five years go by. I'm unappreciated at this job. Their paperwork would not be filed if it wasn't because of me. And I haven't even got a thank you in six months. We start thinking that we, we, are, we are deserving of something as a result result of the, what, what, here's what I'm saying. At what at one point was a blessing has now become a burden. The thing that, I mean, this is just, this is so human, right? The thing that you believe for now you're overwhelmed by. <laughs> How many times have we done that? You know, a, a single people want to get married and they get married and you talk to them several years down the road. It's like, I just, we hate each other. You wanted that, bro. <laughs> I used to talk about you and you talk to you and you're just so frustrated because you were single and nobody loved you and you're forever alone. Like you wanted that. And now that you have it, what happened? You, bec- you become entitled. This is the devastating part of longevity of being in the game. You start undervaluing things that you should, you should, you should value. Your blessing becomes a burden. Why? Because your internal dialogue somewhere along got shifted and it was no longer about the cause. It was about your contribution. It was no longer about the cause, what, what we're working on. We're working on a marriage. We're working on a relationship. It was no longer about we're working on our finances. It became then about what, what I contributed. It became me-centric, me-focused. All I could see, all I could see is me. Because this is the nature of entitlement. Think about this. Entitlement causes you to see nothing but yourself in situations that are really not about you. <laughs> this is what an I deserve mentality does. It causes me to see nothing but myself in situations, Thomas, this isn't about you, bro. This has nothing to do with you. Like Jesus just came back from the dead to save all of humanity from their sins. Right? And yet all you can see is he left me out. Thomas, this is entitlement. It causes me to see nothing but myself in situations that are not about me. What if we can live a little bit higher than our entitlements? Where does it come from? It comes from an internal world that that is, that is not, so here, here I want you to connect the ducks. The, the external fruit is entitlement. What, 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 is, what is wrong on the inside? Really, it's rooted in insecurity. What, what, what am I getting at? I don't feel valued. <laughs> Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about what I do. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares about me at this church. Nobody cares about me in this family. Nobody cares about me at my work. I don't feel valued. And because I don't feel valued, I try to prove my value no longer because of the cause, but because of my contribution. And if I can prove that I'm owed something, I then can convince myself that I deserve something. And if I can convince myself that I deserve something, I can make myself feel like I'm worth something. The challenge is you can only fix these Entitlements, these things that are external, internally. Here's, here's kind of the, the, the crux of what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Because this is a phrase that can bring so much clarity to your life. Often things are not externally what you want them to be because they're not internally what they need to be. Mm, that's good. Let that settle in. Oftentimes... Things are not externally what you want them to be. I'm dissatisfied with this. I'm dissatisfied with that. I, I can't, but I, I just feel this way. And I just, oftentimes things externally are not what you want them to be because they're not internally what they need to be. This is the danger in humanity. This is the trap we fall into. We don't realize that they're connected. 
How you respond to things that you're going through is contingent upon what's going on in your internal world. See, Thomas can't even see that these are his issues. Thomas doesn't know that he's being extra. Thomas doesn't even know that he's entitled. All Thomas knows is that I feel left out. Many of us feel like we're in this position. What is left out? I I didn't have the same experience as everybody else. So I don't have what I need to get me to the place that I desire to be. This is why most people don't become anything in life. Why most people don't chase their dreams or, or build the marriage or life or relationship with their kids or the businesses that they want to build or forge the path that they want to forge because they feel like they're missing, they're missing out on something. I don't have what I need to move forward. So in this position, Thomas begins to, to respond out of his insecurity, out of his internal dialogue. He says, I won't believe unless I what? Unless I experience he begins to reach for something to meet his need. If I, can ex- if I could just experience blank, I would be okay. We all have things in our life that we think, if I could just have that, then I would have everything that I need. Luckily, Thomas, unlike us most of the time, is looking for the right thing. He's not looking, I, I don't need more money, I don't need another job, I don't need no- notoriety. I just need Jesus to come and meet me in the middle of my situation. Here's what I'm getting at. How do I deal with a soul that is not at rest? At the end of all of that conversation, at the end of all of the questions, at the end of all of the uncertainty and the ownership that every single one of us, time out, like think about this. Every single one of us, whatever campus you're watching at, you're watching from every single one of us, we have a messed up inside world. None of us are, I got to prove this to you. Why? Because it's, it's, a, it's a root system. And a root system can't, con- these roots can't control what comes into these roots. It, it, it sucks up whatever it comes in contact with. Your, your life is like this. Your, your soul is like this. These roots will suck up pesticides. It will suck up uh, rotting bugs and different things that actually can be poisonous or actually can be, can be bad. Here's, here's kind of like your, your soul, a picture of your soul. Your soul is not like a... Use this as an example. Your soul is not like a bottle of water that can be contained and just protected. Your soul is like a raging river, meaning it has things that fall into its stream. This is how I know, and, and I, want of us to, I want us to, 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 to drop down our, our guards and our defense mechanisms to own the fact that, hey, as much as I think that I'm okay, most all of us in this room, we're not okay in our internal world because we have things coming into our system that we cannot control. Some of you have gone through grief in this last year like you've never dealt with grief and you think that you're okay, but I'm telling you, that's poison that has gone into your stream. Some of you have gone through disappointment this year like you've never gone through disappointment. And you think, but I'm not depressed. I'm telling you, it's affecting you more than you think it's affecting you because your roots are sucking up that disappointment. Some of you have gone through things relationally or financially. Some of you have gone through through worth issues. You've had identity crisis in your life and you think this is not affecting me. And I'm telling you, your root system, your soul has been sucking that stuff up and there's no way that you could be okay based upon the journey that you've been through in the last year. And you need to know that that's okay. So, what it was, sometimes in life, bad things are going to happen. It's going to get into your soul. This is people think that, that so you're, you're not going to be happy all the time. And this, some of this people that, especially people that are like, no, we just got to be positive all the time. I think we need to be positive, but there's times that you're going to be sad. Did you know with there, with, without sadness, there is no happiness. This is why the Bible itself says sorrow lasts for the night. But joy comes in the morning. 
Sorrow may last for, there's going to be times when it feels like things are not okay and you can still be okay. The worst thing that you can do, think about the worst thing that you can do is try to shut off your pain. Sometimes when you're going through a hell, you need to sit there for a second and acknowledge where you're at so that God can take you to the place that you want to be. If, if you're just resisting, if you're just resisting the fact that life sucks and life hurts, it doesn't change the fact that life sucks and life hurts. In fact, science, psychology proves that you cannot isolate emotions. This is why we live in a numbing culture. Because when you shut off pain, you shut off joy. You, you can't isolate emotions. So people, we can't, oh, I'm sad. I better act happy. No, sometimes you just need to, you just need to let it pass. Why? Why? Because here's the incredible thing about soul being like a root system. What comes through the roots doesn't stay in the roots forever. What, what comes into the stream doesn't stay in the stream forever. In fact, uh, people who study rivers will tell you as, as that water goes over the rocks, it actually purifies. The, 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 the longer it, it moves forward, it actually purifies. This is, this, is, this is how your soul works. Sometimes you have to know that in life, it's not always going to be okay, but I'm, I still have to move my life forward. I have to acknowledge Acknowledge where I'm at so I can get to where I want to be. Ignoring, hear me this morning. Somebody really needs to hear this. Ignoring where you're at simply de delays your journey to your destination. Ignoring the fact that your marriage sucks or your finances, finances suck, you, you, you basically put a pause system, a pause on you getting to where you want to be in those areas. You can't get to where you're going until you acknowledge where you're at. We all have issues in our soul. So how do we find restoration for our soul? How do we find healing? This is the one thing that Thomas has right. He says, I, I, I have something going on on the inside that I don't really even know what it is. And I don't know how to fix it. All I know is that I need to see Jesus. I'm here to tell somebody today, despite what you're going through and despite what you've learned, this is why Christianity is powerful. This is why it's not about religion. It's about relationship because you need not religion. You need the power of God working in your life. You need the evidence of Jesus working in your life. What am I getting? This is not, you need experience with God. You, you need experience with God. You say, well, I, just, I refresh my soul by, by going out in the mountains and just, you realize that he made those mountains. You can't escape the fact that God is the one who restores your soul. God is the restorer of your soul. This is why experience is so important. This is why devotion is so important. What is devotion? What are we, acts of devotion? Love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for a person or thing. This is, what, in essence, what devotion is. In, in, in the context of faith, we would say your devotion is maybe reading the Bible or praying, a life led by the Holy Spirit, doing life, doing life with, with God. You know why these things are so powerful? Because it creates space for you to experience God. You know why showing up to church every single weekend is, imp every single weekend is important? Because your soul needs to experience God. Why do we sing worship songs and say lift our hands and surrender? Because we're trying to, to, to de-pollute all that anger and that rage and the disappointment and the anxiety that life life has put into your stream in the week. You, you need, when, when I get up here, I try not to just make it an intellectual conversation. I try to say something that I pray to God it hits you square in the chest. Why? Because you don't just need words. You need experience. You need God to be able to bring restoration to your journey, to, to reconcile the things that you can't understand. You can't even put your finger on 
So God has the ability to do this. This is why the Bible says, He restores my soul. God is the only one that can restore your soul. This is, this is why I talk about devotion. This is, you know, I, I, I struggled with, uh, you know, growing up in church, it was, it was all about, you got to seek God and press to seek God. And, and I always struggle with that because it's like, why, why am I pressing, like, is he hiding from me? Like, why am I searching? Search for God and seek for God and press in. Is he hiding? No. The reason that, that I, it's, it's, it's not me trying to find him. It's me trying to get my own soul to just shut up so I can listen to him. This is why, this is why it practices, and it, and it, all different religions will tell you things like fasting is powerful. You know why fasting is powerful? If you're struggling to experience, because I'm talking, when I'm talking about experience, I am specifically talking about feeling. I need you to know, I need you to know that. I, I, I'm talking about you need to be able to engage your emotions in your relationship with God. This is why David in the book of Psalms said, God, I, I, he constantly talks to his soul. I will engage my soul in worship to you. This is why fasting is powerful because you can't go without food for three days. And I mean, when I go with food with you three days, you just say Jesus. And I just start crying and thinking about how good he is and how awesome he is. Now, now if, if, if I'm just polluted with the, the stream of life and I have work and I'm busy and I'm doing this, I hardly will feel nothing. Why? Because the, the, the condition of my internal world is so loud. This is why you need devotion in your life. This is why you need experience in your life, because only God can restore your soul. Okay? Here's, here's, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. You're, you're only as good as your last experience. Meaning, God restores your soul... But just experiencing God doesn't actually stabilize your soul. What, 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 what am I saying? He can give back to you things that you've lost, but tomorrow you have new things coming into the stream. This is why it's a challenge, because I'm only as good as my last experience. So what do I do when I don't have, when I'm not experiencing the things that I need to experience to feel like I can have the stability that I desire to have? There ultimately has to be something that's greater than experience. This is why I think most people give up on faith because they get tired of showing up for experience and then going through a dry spell and then showing up for experience and then going through a dry spell and then showing up for experience and then they get tired. It's like, can I ever find stability? This is really what we want. God's best for your life is not that he just has to keep sending you down miracles from heaven and making big miracle moments. God's best for you is that you would have stability. That you would go from glory to glory, faith to faith, that the path of the righteous would get brighter and brighter, not, not mountaintop to valley, mountaintop to valley, mountaintop to valley, good and then bad, good and then bad. He, he wants you to have stability. So how do I find stability? You see, there, you see, experience. Contact with God is powerful, but there is something that is greater. What? Jesus shows up and, and Thomas says, in response to Jesus saying, hey, here I am. It's what you wanted. He responds and he says this. He says, my Lord... And my God. And it's almost like you think like it's just like an exclamation, like, oh my God, but, but it's not. It, it's intentional. He says, my Lord and my God. You see, th there's power in this phrase, my Lord. Because he was moving past just experience, contact with God into something that, that was greater. When he expresses the words, my Lord, it it's actually can, can be uh, broken down into actually like a, a moment of surrender. You, you are my headship. I throw up my hands un, unto you. I give up everything that I am to you. Here, here's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, commi it's a commitment. 
It's, it's a commitment. You see, there's something in life that is greater than experience. You know what it is? Commitment. What? Commitment. When I make a decision that I'm not going to just be moved in my life by what I feel, by what I experience. If things are good, then I'll stay in the game. But if things don't make sense, I might throw in the towel. When I choose to live a little bit higher than the things that I experience, when I choose to get beyond just contact with God and I actually get into the realm of commitment to Him, everything changes because I find an ability to fight even when I don't feel. I hope you're hearing me today. There are so many people, man, they get discouraged. They get, they get, this is, this is why people, this is why, isn't this why people divorce like we do and do in our society? Why? I don't, I'm not, I'm not in love like I used to be in love. I, I don't feel it. What? The, the experience isn't there anymore. The experience isn't there anymore. You, 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 I mean, when you stop and you rationalize it, when you're outside of the, what, what, what do you mean? I thought you made a commitment, bro. What, what is it? What is it? What is the commitment to love and to cherish? In sickness and in health. What, not just, not just natural, mental sickness, mental health. I, I'm talking about when things are good and when things are bad, I'm in it for the long haul. When I commit to God, when I commit to my relationships, when I commit to my future, when I commit to my finances, when I commit to my kids, when I commit to my church, I'm able to move past this point of just existing wherever the wind blows in life. And I actually find what? I find stability. I find the thing that we're all, we're all looking for. The goal of my faith is the salvation of my soul. How, how, how do I find my soul safe? I have to allow God to restore all of these things that are coming into my root system. But I can't just exist like this. Okay? I can't just exist by allowing God to restore the things that are coming into my root system. Every plant needs stability. So this is, this is what happens. Commitment gives me a place to be rooted, to be planted. That come all hell or high water, that come the storms of life, that come the scorching sun, I will not give up because I have stability around me. When I commit, make commitments to people that I love, when I make commitments to my church, when I make commitments to God, I give myself an ability to be stable like I've never been stable before because it doesn't matter what I feel. I'm staying in the game. I'm, I'm not giving up. Your soul needs stability. If, if, if the goal of your faith is the salvation of your soul, you don't just need experience with God. Folks, you need, you need, you need commitment. You, you get this. You get this. You get that me experiencing the gym isn't going to transform my physique. <laughs> right? You, you laugh because you know it's true. What does it take? Commitment to the gym to transform my physique. And yet we think, well, I just, I just need to experience church. No, you need to be committed to your church. It's what God is building on this earth. What is this church about? We want to help people find freedom in their life. We want to help people live the life that they were created to live. The John 10, 10 life, a life better than you've ever dreamed. If you're not living that life, then you need to be committed to your church. That's why we're about knowing God, growing in relationship, discovering purpose, make a difference. What are these? These are next steps that we focus on so that what? We can be committed to something bigger than ourselves, committed to the cause, despite what we feel, so that we can ultimately have the lives that we want. This is how it works in, in, in your life. If you're only in your relationships when you feel it, you're never going to have thriving relationships. There's something that changes when commitment is involved.
You, you can experience the thrill of, of generosity from time to time, but you're not going to experience its benefit until you make a commitment to it. Because commitment, change only happens where commitment is made. A seed only grows when somebody commits to plant and to water and to let the sun shine. And we're going to do everything. We're going to feed this plant and we're going to nurture this plant. We're going to give it everything that it needs. What is, it's, it's, it's commitment. Are you tired of your life being up and down and all around? Are you tired of having things in your life that you don't really know how to fix because it's not really the things you're dealing with, it's what's happening beneath the surface. But at the same time, when you try to restore your soul, it seems like you're only as good as your last experience. I have good news for you. Life is more than just about contact with God. And, and, and here's, here's how I want to say it specifically. The life you're really looking for isn't going to be found in weekly contact with God. It's going to be found in commitment to Him. It's strong, but I'm willing to tell you that this morning because I know you didn't show up to church because you just needed something to do on a Sunday afternoon. You're looking for more. And I believe that more is on the other side of me saying, despite what I feel, despite what I see, I'm clinging to something greater. I love the way Jesus wraps up the situation with Thomas. This is, this is what he says. Listen to it. I want you to think about this. Thomas says, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus says to him, he says, because you have seen me, you have believed. In other words, because you have experienced, you have committed. You've made a choice to believe. You've committed. Because you've experienced, you've committed. But he says this, but blessed, which means empowered. They have an advantage, an extra edge. This is what I need. I believe this is what you need. Blessed are those who have not seen. (laughs) <laughs> who can't feel, who it doesn't make sense. I don't understand. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't, I'm not feeling it like I used to. Blessed are those. Empowered are those who feel forgotten. Empowered are those who can't make sense of their situation. Empowered are those who can't see light at the end of the tunnel, and yet they still choose to believe. They still choose to stay in the game. They still choose to stay committed. It's funny because Thomas never really sees how awesome this situation is. He feels like, well, thank God that he showed up. Could you, Thomas, if you would just see it a little bit differently, you could, you could have chosen to see that maybe Jesus wanted you to have your own personal private show. Maybe you were so special that he wanted one-on-one opportunity with you. He didn't have to show up again, but he cared about you so much that he did. Who is the person here today that feels so left out, feels so overlooked, feels so forgotten, of all of your brothers, of all of your sisters, of all the people, you feel undervalued, you feel like everything that you invested in is a waste because people don't even see it, they don't even recognize it. I'm here to tell you, those people that feel left out, when you choose to commit, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, even when you want to give up on your dream, but you have something in your heart that tells you that you can't, even when the money doesn't make sense, but you got to chase the thing that's in your heart, even when, even when it seems like, even when it seems like the grass is greener on the other side, but you choose to stay in the ground. He says, blessed, empowered, empowered is he who stays committed. If I want to make a, a chocolate cake, I can't just make it out of chocolate because chocolate would just be chocolate is awesome. Chocolate is bomb. I can tell you it's really good. But just chocolate alone can't make a chocolate cake. If, if the life you really want, you got to have more than contact with God. Contact with God is awesome. It's, it's bomb. It's really good. It's invigorating. It's refreshing. But if the life you really want, 
you're going to have to have more than contact with God. You're going to have to have commitment to him. No matter what. Selling out. To the person who feels overlooked in your marriage, overlooked in your family, overlooked at this church, because you've been here for years, and does it really matter? Do people even notice? God notices. God notices. And he says, when you stay planted, when you choose to root yourself, I don't feel it, but I'm not moving. I can't make sense of it, but I'm not moving. It seems like it's out there, but I'm not going. I I can see it making sense out there, but it doesn't make sense here, but I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay here anyway. That's that's extremely baiting out there. It's extremely baiting out there, but I'm I'm going to stay planted here. So many people miss out on the fact that the reason why your life flourishes is because of what's happening underneath the ground. Sometimes when I'm planted in church and I'm planted in relationships and I'm committed to my family and I'm committed uh, to my spouse and, and and I stay committed, my life starts flourishing. And I start thinking that, oh, it's just because of me. No, it's because of what you're committed to. It's, it's your root it's your root system that causes your fruit to blossom you're not that good to just make that fruit it's because of where your commitments are don't give up on your commitments stay in the game don't throw in the towel stay committed move past contact move past experience to something greater to something stronger man the goal of our faith is the salvation of our soul what if it really was that simple? <laughs> what if it wasn't really, man, I got to figure this out, why I act like this and read more books and I got to do yoga and do all that. What, what if it was like, what if it really was, what if I can just focus on and God internal me, restore my soul and I stay committed. God, restore my soul and I'm not going anywhere. It's going to, even, even if I'm sad, sadness is going to pass. I'm good because I'm, I'm committed. I have something that's stronger than emotion, stronger than, I'm not going to give up on my marriage when, it, when we don't have the butterflies. Like we, I'm going to trust, I'm going to have commitment. Here's the thing about commitment. Commitment actually brings about more experience. When I, when I choose to stay committed, even when I don't feel, what's crazy is you start feeling again. This is, this is the, way that it, that the way it works. When I'm going through a dry time with God, as, as a pastor, you have you have these moments. When I'm going through a time where I, I don't get it, I feel I feel lost. In those times where I square my shoulders, I say I feel lost. I hurt. I'm sad. I'm not going nowhere. I still believe and I'm still committed. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on the dream. I'm not giving up on what you started in me. I'm still not perfect. I'm still struggling, but I'm not giving up on me. I believe that he who started a good work in me will complete it, even though I don't see it. Even though this is the hundred thousandth time that I find myself discouraged in here, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up. You know what happens? <laughs> you know what happens? When I sell out to commitment all of a sudden, I start feeling again. Oh, I start feeling the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the comfort of Jesus. And I start feeling purpose come alive again because I'm not just caught up in my questions, but I've decided I don't have to have all of the answers. There's more to life than just knowing everything. God, I want to know the one who knows everything. I don't have to have all the answers as long as I'm connected and committed to the person that does. Here's my dare. Like we're, like we're in eighth grade. I double dog dare you. I double dog dare you to go after experience with God like never before because you need restoration in your journey. Otherwise, what you've been through will become your identity. The, the divorce, the betrayal, the affair, uh, the abuse, <laughs> the, 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 the miscarriage, uh, the abortion, uh, the business that you tried to start that felt all of those things will become your, your identity. 
unless God restores, unless God, God restores, unless God fills those holes that only God can fill. This is why you go, go after it. Go after, increase your devotion. Increase, this is, you can do a whole other message on what, what it really, because you, you're going to have to have more discipline to go after it. Say, no, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to declutter myself. I'm going to get quiet. I'm going to sit in the pain of quiet. I'm going to fast if I have to. I'm going to pray. Not because you're hiding, because I need myself to shut up a little bit so that I can get a little bit of clarity in my soul. I double dog dare you to go after experience with God. I double dog dare you to show up every Sunday to church where we create a space for people to know and experience God, to lift your hands in the air. Not out of religious duty or because I'm worried about what the person on the right of me or the left of me would think because I have issues on the inside of me and I'm not going to stand here and act like I got it all together. I will lift up my hands and surrender to my God because I need him to do something in my life that only he can do. I double dog dare you. And I dare you to stay committed. I dare you to stay in the game. I dare you when everybody else is running off that you stay put. I dare you to fight for your family. I dare you to fight for your marriage. I dare you to fight for your kids even when it doesn't make sense. I dare you to fight for your finances even when you've been bankrupt. I dare you to fight for your future even when you failed 500 times. I dare you to stay committed. I dare you to keep your roots in the ground. I dare you to keep your feet planted because those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish, will flourish, will flourish in the courts of their God. Can somebody stand up on your feet and lift your hands up to our big God? Can we begin to lift our voices all across this room? God, we just begin to lift up the cry of our heart. God, we forget about who's around. We all admit, God, we're all messed up on the inside. We need reconcile. We need reconciliation, God. As a result of our journey, we need you to do what only you can do. Come on, in every campus, wherever you're at, would you stand to your feet? Would you make this more than just a religious moment? I don't know about you, but I'm going through some stuff. Is anybody going through some stuff that you need healing, that you need hope, that you need restoration, that you need clarity? I know you've been in the game for a long time, but I dare you to surrender again. I dare you to trust him again. I dare you to go after it again. I dare you to look at him again. I dare you to look a little bit higher than your star again. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. We look to you today, God. Sometimes in life, we become so we become so married to our comfort that we don't know how to live outside of it. And sometimes this comfort comes as a result of our upbringing. It comes as a result of our journey. It comes as a result of when we've just been doing this a long time. It's not how I was raised. But sometimes you got to get desperate if you want to see something different. Sometimes you got to get desperate if you want to see something different. Sometimes you got to be willing to say, I don't like the way, I don't like the way this feels, but I'm going to open up my heart. This hurts my ego. This hurts my pride. I, I have a tendency to always look strong, but God, I need something that's bigger than me. I need clarity in my soul. And I don't know what that looks like for you today, but I don't want you to miss your moment. Maybe for you, that's simply just closing your eyes. Maybe for you, it's just a little lazy lift of your hand. Maybe for you, it's a full out surrender. Maybe you need to get on your knees before God, but I believe in moments and I believe that God has the ability to do what God and only God can do. 
We say that we're a family. Can we act like one? Can we lift our voices for a second and maybe just be vulnerable in a moment? And maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is what you've been looking for. Maybe, just maybe, at whatever campus or you that are watching, maybe this is what you've been looking for. A little restoration. What if he could dissolve the pain of the abuse that happened to you as a child? What if he can dissolve the regret that you have because you tried and you failed and your family has doubted you ever since? What if in this moment he can make all things new? He can make all things new. Hear me today. I speak into the climate of your soul. We believe in a God who can make all things new. He can make it new. How? This is what he does. He is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. He has the ability to make all things new. God, in this moment, tomorrow where you're at, just a little bit of family vulnerability. God, okay, maybe you're a skeptic in this place. Just a little crack in the door to say, all right, God, if you're here, my heart is open. Come on, right where you're at, just under your breath. God, God, we just open our lives to you. God, would you bring healing? Would you bring restoration? Would you do what only you can do? God, we need experience. God, we need experience. God, I'm people that have shut off pain. God, that the tears would flow again. God, that they would feel you like they used to feel you in the beginning. That they would be recalled to their purpose. God, that you would light a fire in the kindling of their soul. God, that you would light a fire in the kindling of their soul. That you would light a fire in the kindling of their soul. that their legs have been weak. That God, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, God at work in our life, that God, you just bring a freshness to their soul, new energy, newfound strength, newfound joy. God, you would open up those floodgates of emotions that we wouldn't resist them and isolate them and shut them off because of our experiences with our earthly father that causes us to give attributes to our heavenly father. God, instead, we would approach you with a blank slate. Some of you, I really feel like your best life is under, under, on the other side of just clearing the table as it pertains to what you believe about God. I don't know, I don't know who's watching. Or clearing the, your, your, be, the, your best life, the life that you really, is found on the other side of you clearing the table as it pertains to what you believe about God. You've been taught by your parents and society and religion. You have these assumptions based upon your experiences. All you got to do, trust me, because I've done it. I raised in church, rebelled, thought that I knew my way was the right way. And I had to, at some point, clear the slate. And I had to come back to him and say, okay, <laughs> who are you? Would you show me who you are again? This is, what, <laughs> this is what Thomas is doing. Jesus, I've, ex- I've experienced you. 
I know you raised people from the dead, but would you show me who you are again? Mm. So, some of you, the life ah, that you're looking for is found on the other side of you clearing the slate. As it, I'm talking to people that have been in the game 20, 30, 40 years. <laughs> I already, I've already, Tom, Thomas had seen. Could you imagine? He's seen the blind eyes open. He's seen people that were demonically possessed, just the demons leave. See pigs that were possessed by devils run off a cliff. Oh my God. Like he had seen more of God than we have seen. And yet he says, God, would you show me who you are again? Can we make that the prayer of our hearts this morning? God, would you show us who you are again? Would you say it just maybe out from underneath your breath? I believe this is a moment that could change it. God, would you just show me in my life this week? Would you, would you help me just to set aside all of the garbage? Of my, would you show me who you are would you show me who you are again? Not, not what religion says you are, but who you really are. Show me who you are again. Maybe here in this place, one of our other campuses watching online, you've never made a decision to place your faith in something bigger than yourself. We believe that something is someone, his name is Jesus. It's really the starting point of experience and commitment. It starts here. We believe what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, You'll be safe, super simple, super life-changing. We're a family, so nobody prays alone. I believe if you're ready, your heart compels you to pray this. And I'm going to ask that together we would all say this out loud. Let's say it with conviction. Some of us, again, it's just a fresh commitment. <laughs> this is where we're at, God. I, I don't just, this is, what, this is what he said when he said, my, my, my Lord, my God. This is why we say when we're, when we're praying this prayer, we say, God, God I... Uh, I, I call you as the Lord of, Lord of my life. You're my God, and I, and, I, and I ask you to be my Savior. I make you my Lord. That's the word we use. I make you my Lord. It's commitment. Let's pray this out loud. Everybody, say it. Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart. I say out of my mouth, you're the Son of God. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead for me. Me in this part say, today I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Say this, Jesus, help me to live the life that you made me to live. In Jesus' name. Everybody set? Celebrate that decision with you. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 